Welcome to Saving America. This is Dr. David D. Shine, and we have a special guest for our Just the Facts segment this week. He is Dietrich von Biedenfeld, whose fascinating background includes serving as Mayor Pro Tem of West Columbia, Texas, Governor Abbott's representative on the Public Transportation Advisory Committee, and he is an assistant professor of business teaching business law and supply chain management for the University of Houston downtown. Dietrich is a regular commentator on local television news programs. His research includes water law, supply cycle trends, and commerce. And we're so delighted to have you with us today. Thank you, Dr. Shine. And uh, we, we're gonna, we, we talk about our questions in advance. And tell us about your campaign to run for Brazoria County Treasurer and how you, what, what do you bring to the table that's unique? Yes, sir. It's a funny story. I've never run for anything that I wasn't asked or approached to run for. I was applying to support the city 10 years ago to assist in grant writing, and the mayor said, why don't you run for council? So I've served five terms on council, which provides a unique perspective since the county treasurer reports to the commissioner's court. I've served in a similar legislative capacity to sort of understand what people need and what those commissioners will want as support. I also bring to the table a unique legal background. So, of course, it's challenging to find people in the legal profession that are willing to work for government wages in any scope or industry, especially this position, which in some counties has been abolished. So I bring a legal perspective that assists with compliance. The county treasurer is really a manager of contracts for depository investment and other related contracts with private banks. So. Of course, on council, I was very familiar with P3s, those public-private sector partnerships. And additionally, in my scope as a contract officer, managing contracts for Houston Community College System and the San Jacinto College District, I've overseen over $324 million of annual expenditures, over a billion dollars of contracts. That's experience that most people are not going to have generally and definitely don't have in Brazoria County. Uh, the county budget is around $200 million. So, those are distinct things. And once I was asked to run, I looked at the qualifications. I went to meet with the county treasurer. I sort of colloquially talk about this de jure de facto distinction. I knew the law. I know Article 16, Section 74, or, or Section 44 of the uh, Constitution. And, and so you, you look at those things and you look at what the website says the job is in the de jure. And then for de facto, you actually need to see what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? So I met with the current county treasurer who is not running again, uh, fortunately not running against an incumbent. And I took about four pages of notes that I went home and digested and said, wait a second, I can do this job and I can build on her legacy of talent and bring a different strategic management. Of course, almost anybody can do most of these jobs nowadays because they have required trainings. So the statute requires either you finish the training and pass the test or you can't serve in that office. Wow. So <laughs> right. So, so it, there's already a statutory sort of uh, hurdle to actually being sworn in and doing the job that, you know, if, if you had you know, almost any other accounting, legal, or business background, you could be trained to do the job. And once you pass the tests to get those certifications, you can be a county treasurer. Uh, <laughs> so so th there is that. And Knowing that and knowing that they were going to provide me these trainings, then coupled with some of the contract areas that the current county treasurer experiences challenges with, including 
uh, Armored Car Services, which I wrote RFPs for, uh, did bids and, and sort of managed those contract relationships with those Armored Car Services providers for uh, a Harris County area with more than 24 different locations with when I worked for the uh, Houston Community College System. I realized I can add to her legacy with some strategic improvements, right? So building on the past for a better future. And I'm one of those people, you, you know, keep what works and improve the rest. If it ain't broke, you still may be able to improve upon it, not fix it, but improve upon it. We're in the 21st century. And after 9-11, Sarbanes-Oxley, Dodd-Frank, all these legal regulatory things. And then of course, legislative initiatives out of Austin, Texas, where sometimes our conservative leaders uh, walk that line between uh, municipal and local control discussions once they actually get to Austin. There are a number of restrictions on the county treasurer's ability to do uh, banking type services. So recognizing that, understanding those relationships, the legal framework in which it operates, the regulatory framework, uh, I bring legal procurement uh, and other business and supply chain finance understandings that I think are really distinct, not only generally, uh, but also for this specific office. I'm a member of the Texas Bar College. Fewer than 4% of Texas lawyers are a member of that. So I'm already in this sort of niche area uh, of the profession and business community, uh, plus the public service background with 10 years on city council that gives me that understanding of both holding elected office and then performing the duties of county treasurer better than anyone else. Well, that sounds great. And if I'd lived in Brazoria County, you'd have my vote. I, I live in um, the um, socialist controlled uh, city of Houston, Harris County at the moment. And Wait, come uh, on down. Yeah, it, it crossed my mind. I've actually been to West Columbia. You have a river in there, don't you? We do. Yeah, I brought my kids down there and water skied with my kids some years back. So uh, it's a beautiful area. And uh, uh, let's ask you a little bit about uh, one of your other positions and among your many talents is the Governor's Transportation Advisory Council. And I wondered if you had any involvement with the uh, what the Houston calls light rail system. We have very limited involvement with that. Of course, if I had my druthers, the first thing to have with the light rail system would be to connect the two major airports in the Houston area. That's the number one thing you see in almost any other major city. You can at least fly into Bush and get to Hobby or Hobby and get to Bush via some sort of uh, directed rail or public transit system. And we don't have that. Uh, most of our work is actually with bus routes. So oh, we do oh. have some involvement with uh, transportation policy. But one of the things you'll notice if you get on the light rail in downtown Houston is a mask mandate. And that is due to federal fund involvement and controls. I see. You know, one of the things that frustrates me is I, I live, I can actually see the, the, the light rail system. And my undergraduate degree is transportation economics. And uh, we have a memorial that I pass frequently to uh, two bicyclists who were run over by and killed uh, by the light rail system. I don't think they've killed anybody in the last couple of weeks, but um, the system is really not very effective and it, and it travels. Um, I, I'm near the one, the original one, which uh, I hate to tell you, but I call it the Lee Brown streetcar to nowhere because he was mayor when this stupid thing was put in 
And given the intense dependency in Houston on automobiles to have not put in something more modern, um, like a monorail system, and I've used monorails in Japan, and I've used monorails, uh, the, the short monorail that they have in downtown Seattle, um, it, I just think it's a real shame that they missed the opportunity to do something in Space City that would have made more sense. And speaking of the airport, of course, Houston uh, Airport does have a, what would, we would call a monorail system. It's an elevated rail system that connects their terminals. Uh, you know, right. a lot of cities have uh, tunnels have under the airport to connect the terminals. We've done it in the air. And, and, you know, I just think we need to be more creative. And my fear is the reason this thing was built was because 90% of it roughly is paid by the federal government, isn't it? And that's absolutely accurate. And, and yeah. to say, oh, we've got this money, regardless of the practicality of it, uh, let's use it. And, and of course, I think that's opposite of our philosophies of fiscal conservatism. Absolutely. And it's a shame because it's all our tax dollars. And, uh, you know, they used to say that, you know, men at work, and I call it the tax dollars of waste uh, in, in big droves. Hey, uh, I want to ask you about something that you do advocationally. Um, I, I think I mentioned to you, my dad was career Navy 28 and a half years in the U.S. Navy. In fact, that's part of my tie to Virginia. He retired in Norfolk, Virginia, which is, of course, Navy City, USA. And um, I understand that you uh, do some work for our vets. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So, I, of course, I am a VA certified attorney, and there is a process to go through that. And one of the things that I love is to learn and try new things, explore different um, areas of, of business and professional and legal aspects. I think most lawyers like civics, as you, as you know. And so with that training and education, there was a, a draw to assist veterans. And of course, my father was a U.S. Army uh, member for 29 and a half years or so. And I would join groups such as the Disabled American Veterans in Washington, D.C. to advocate for those veterans' rights mm -hmm. and benefits. And that exposed me to this demographic of people who had served this country. And sometimes the country forgot about their contract with these veterans. And so pro bono advocacy, first of all, allows me to avoid some of the administrative challenges of IOLTA accounts and other regulatory reporting procedures. There's right. so much bureaucracy in most professions that it's time consuming to actually profit from it. You have to weigh the fact that, okay, I'm an assistant professor, assistant department chair, mayor pro tem of a city, gubernatorial appointee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When am I going to audit these accounts? When am I going to ensure prompt payment for these uh, mm -hmm. services? So I became involved with pro bono advocacy. I've worked in the municipal, state, and federal courts to support veterans' needs. One of the, the things, uh, there's an old German saying, man plans, God laughs. I hate family law. And invariably, I end up with a certain element of every case that has to touch on family law. Of so <laughs> it's, it's challenging, but it's also rewarding to see people who need those services and either um, don't have the resources to afford them or otherwise don't have a lucrative enough issue to attract uh, other counsel. Well, it's been fascinating to visit with you, and I, I have a feeling that the treasurer's position in Missouri County will just be the first step for what I predict will be a very bright uh, political future for you. Um, tell our um, audience, uh, what's the best way to get information about you? You can always go to dietrich4texas.com, that's F-O-R, and 
also my LinkedIn. I do try to post regularly. I know you and I uh, share a love of sharing perspective and knowledge with others. And so right. I try to post pretty regularly on my Dietrich von Biedenfeld LinkedIn profile. So either DietrichforTexas.com or the LinkedIn. Thank you so much. This has been Just the Facts, Saving America, your host, Dr. David D. Shine. Thanks for joining us today.